Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. A quadruple header of bowl games on this Thursday afternoon, the 28th of December. I mean, we are in the middle of bowl season right now. Got started with a sloppy, kind of gray, yucky day at Fenway Park. And uh, go figure, the team that was from about 20 minutes from Fenway Park got the win, 23-14. to Boston College over SMU in the uh, the morning edition of Bowl Thursday. Halftime now at Yankee Stadium. So from Fenway Park to Yankee Stadium, Rutgers leading 14-10 to at the half over Miami. Ten unanswered for Miami after trailing 14 nothing in the game. Um, I kind of seized some of the momentum. Miami did not look like they wanted to be there for the first, oh, 20 or so minutes of that ball game. Then kind of got it going a little bit. NC State, Kansas State coming up later this afternoon. That's the Pop-Tarts Bowl down in Orlando. People have talked a lot about the trophy and the edible mascot. We'll see how that plays out. And then tonight, the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio with Arizona and Oklahoma. So good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Of course, we're just two days away from the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl with Ole Miss and Penn State. Richard Cross, Michael Borky with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, along with the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Uh, check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. You can be a part of the conversation this afternoon on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Learn more at ceasefire.com slash business. Hello, Michael Borky. And former Ole Miss head coach Dave Doran uh, has already figured out what bourbon he will pair with the edible mascot. So, mm. Which one is that? He doesn't say. He just knows that he's got one picked out for uh, for the victory celebration. What is um? Do we know the flavor of the pop tart? They announced the... it, but I forgot. Okay. I mean, it's probably going to be one of their frosted ones that's got some sprinkles in it, right? So, like the the strawberry or the blueberry. Yeah, most likely. Although well, I would submit cinnamon brown sugar is the like the staple. 
Yeah, I mean, that's their go-to, but it's going to be something unique. I'm sure they've got a new one that they're going to plug or, or whatever, but yeah, the, uh, the there's too many Bulls people, or the Bulls suck people or whatever. That is the worst person. And, and, and that person exists in all walks of life, right? Like, when Game of Thrones was going on, for example, when it was extremely popular and the final season was happening and, and you had watch parties at bars and a lot of people were talking about it, you had those that would take to social media or whatever, oh, the dragon shows tonight, you guys are so lame, you like dragons. Like Nobody cares, man. Let people enjoy things. Same thing with bowl games. Yeah, well, for example, I, I, the, the next time... I watch a single Game of Thrones episode will be the first. Yeah. Never done it. Doesn't, just doesn't register for me at all. Never watched it. Yeah. Like, being, but you enjoying it is not an issue for me. No. And, and there's a difference between having a differing opinion on whether or not it's good. Like, I watched Rebel Moon on Netflix the other night. I thought it was horrible. I mean, just awful. But other people like it, and that's okay. But I thought the movie was terrible. Point is, you've got that with bowl games now. You've got these people that just want to tell you over and over and over again how terrible all of this is. How there's too many, and I'm not watching, and this is stupid, and this is dumb. Okay, that's fine. But just know that you trying to convince people that are enjoying something that they shouldn't be enjoying anything doesn't work. I liked watching college football last night. I liked that Caleb Williams opted out now in hindsight because a star was born. In the atypical college football star, by the way. Went to USC, got beaten out. Mm-hmm. And what did he do, Borky? Did he, he stayed. Leave? Oh. And then Lincoln Riley comes. And guess who Lincoln Riley brings with him? And what did he do? He stayed. Barely played. Kid doesn't play at all for years at USC. And then Caleb Williams opts out of the bowl game. And then he throws six touchdown passes. And Lincoln Riley, after the game, was asked, you know, is that going to be your starter next year? And he said, well, I'm not ready to name a guy, but I have a feeling that his performance scared everybody, <laughs> everybody that wanted to transfer here away from transferring here. Yeah, Miller Moss looked good last night. The Los Angeles native only classified as a sophomore, so he's got plenty of time left. He's from, uh, as I said, Los Angeles, 6'2", 200 pounds. His season stats, season stats. 23, uh, I'm sorry, 46 of 65 for 681 yards with seven touchdowns and one interception. His game stats last night, 23 of 33, 372 yards, six touchdowns and an interception. He was spectacular last night. He looked in rhythm. He looked comfortable. He looked confident. And I thought he had guys that made plays for him, Borky. Yeah. That was a fun watch. And uh, shout-out to Bud Elliott, by the way, who I like. But uh, Bud Elliott was really driving home the train of uh, Louisville is good and Ole Miss and Oklahoma are frauds. Mm. Well, let, let, let me present to you the evidence of Louisville getting smoked by a 7-5 team with their quarterback opting out there, Bud. Yeah, I just... Uh, <sighs> I picked Louisville because I didn't think that uh, Southern Cal would be engaged. Who knew that uh, losing one of the most talented players in the country who was all kinds of full of drama 
um, would actually make them a better team. And they look like it last night. And look, don't judge too much from a bowl game. Just enjoy it for what it is. It's a fun game. Like People love to do the, the whole it's an exhibition thing. It doesn't matter. That's fine. Classify it however you want to. Does it really matter? I mean, outside of the, the semifinals and the, the national championship game, I guess not. But they do matter. And this kid last night, Miles Miller, Miles Miller, is that right? Did I just make up his name? I, I think you did. Miller Moss, right? Miller Moss, Miles Miller, Miller Moss. Uh, take your pick. Um, He looks good. He looks good. He looks really good. And so now... We we get, and I say we, I know most people don't really care about Southern Cal's quarterback situation, but I enjoyed watching him play last night. I didn't need Caleb Williams in that game. I mean, Caleb Williams could have put up the exact stat line. Makes no difference. And so now I got this thing where I wasn't expecting to see this this guy that nobody knows perform and play well against a good Louisville team. And now I'm going to remember him. And he's, like we said before, He's the counter story to regular college football. He stuck around despite losing a job and then Caleb Williams coming in. He could have hit the portal, probably would have had a lot of suitors, but he chose to stick around and now he's going to be rewarded for that. I like that. And then we get this question on the text line about uh, are bowls profitable because attendance isn't particularly good? Absolutely they are. Because well, some mil- more than others. Some more than others. But there's a reason that they exist. Because they draw seven figures plus an audience. I mean, that's why. Because yeah, people and, watch them. And, and I think it's important to remember that they are different types of bowl games, right? So you've got a bunch of bowl games that are run by ESPN events. That There is a division at ESPN that is their event production department. A lot of the, the early, early season basketball tournaments are run by ESPN. They are wholly owned and run by. And so... For example, the uh, the Cure Bowl, maybe. I, I think that's one of the ones that's in Orlando. That's an ESPN events production. ESPN has production facilities in Orlando at, at Disney Wide World of Sports. Uh, they own the game, and so they are they're putting that game on as a television product. But not all games are like that. A lot of the older bowl games are rooted in being put on by communities, by raising money for charity. The Liberty Bowl in Memphis, for example, is a good one. St. Jude is the beneficiary of proceeds from the Liberty Bowl. It's a nonprofit organization. Now they've got an executive director and a staff, and those guys do a really good job. They've had a long-time partnership with AutoZone as the title sponsor of the game, and there is a huge St. Jude component that goes along with it. The Sun Bowl in El Paso, huge community event. It's supported really, really well. Like like locals in El Paso go to that game, and they've got a bowl committee and all that. The Orange Bowl, for that matter, Borky, I know the Orange Bowl is one of the big boys now, but the Orange Bowl has raised millions of dollars for charities in South Florida. The being on the Orange Bowl committee is a huge like community honor. Yeah, you've seen the people that walk around in the Orange Blazers that show up at yeah. college games all over the country. There are benefits that go along with it, but the overall mission of that bowl game was to raise money for charities and children's organizations in South Florida. 
So a lot of the bowl games are built that way. And when you say are they profitable, well, not in the sense that somebody's just making millions and millions of dollars, but charities are making money as a result of a lot of those. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Borky, I actually went back and looked. So how many bowl games do we have totaled at 42? I think that's right. I think it's 42. 17 of those bowl games are ESPN events bowl games. So, like I said, ESPN events, is just, it's a division of ESPN. And they put on, they own and put on 34 or 32 events throughout the course of the year. And they do four different like preseason kickoff games in football, like the, the FCS kickoff game, the MEAC SWAC Challenge. Um, there's a, another one for smaller schools. And then they do the Camping World kickoff game also, which this past year was LSU-Florida State. So there's a big one there at the beginning of the year. 17 bowl games and then a bunch of basketball events as well. So that's what they do. By the way, Miami just took the lead. Got a uh, touchdown to go up 16-14 on Rutgers and an extra point coming in just a moment. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Sports Talk brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Not a lot going on at M-Trade Park today, and that's a good thing because it is cold. I had a couple of people tell me today, it's chilly outside. No, it's not chilly. It's cold right now. It's like 45 and gray and cloudy and windy. It's cold outside. Um, but before long, things will be hopping at M-Trade Park. When we get into February, you will have baseball and softball and soccer events all getting started. Be sure as you are helping plan your child or your team's schedule this spring that you include M-Trade Park. Great facilities, great people, well-run events and uh, a really good spot to uh, participate in tournaments. If you're going to play, play M-Trade, mtradepark.com. Morky, as we get closer to the Peach Bowl, we have more opportunities to hear from uh, from different people. We've heard from head coaches. We've heard from assistant coaches. Today, it was, uh, it was players for both Ole Miss and Penn State, and there was some stuff in the Ole Miss Players Press Conference that stood out to you. Yeah, and a lot of people. And number one, there there are people, I guess, that are upset with uh, the questions being asked, and I'm sorry, but it is absolutely their job to ask these questions. If you are mad at the reporters for doing reporting, then that's a you problem, not a them problem. Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins were asked about their futures at Ole Miss. An appropriate question because they haven't made any kind of announcement, especially Dart, who's draft eligible, uh, he he had they hadn't said anything other than being noncommittal, and so you ask them when you get the chance. Haven't said anything in a time where we have seen announcement after announcement after announcement of 
coming back, running it back, doing it again, can't wait to be back next year, and all the – like, making these announcements has been a big deal. Yeah. So if you're, if you're mad at those guys for, for asking those questions, you, you don't know what their job is supposed to be. Because, yeah, when you get a chance to ask Jackson Dart, hey, you coming back because he hasn't answered that question before, you have to ask that question. And he gave an answer, really not so much of an answer. And either did Quinshawn. They both mentioned that they were only focused on the bowl game, that they'll make that decision uh, after the game is over, talked about, or they were asked about the players coming back and does that sway their decision. And Dart gave a really good political answer about yes, but weighing options and on and on and on. And it has got people kind of worried about their quarterback and running back not being back on the team for next year because they won't commit, quote-unquote, to the answer. All right, so Jackson Dart, when asked about his decision going forward, he says the basic thing is I have a great support staff around me. I have great coaches. Obviously, my family is amazing, and I have great friends on the team. Honestly, not too worried about it right now. Just focused on the bowl game and focused on my preparation, doing my job to help my team in the best situation to win and help make history here. That was Jackson Dart, Quinshawn Judkins. I think just for me right now, I'm at the point where I'm just focused on this bowl game, just going out with my guys. That's my main focus is just to win this game. Dart asked about what would go into his decision-making process. Well, like I said, I have a great support staff around me that's able to give me really good advice. There's a lot of things that go into it, but like I said, I'm just focused on this bowl game and going 1-0 this week. Can we be real? Let's be real. They're negotiating. They're trying to get every dollar that they can possibly get because we play in an era where they have leverage. Leverage in so much as if they want to transfer, they can. There is nothing keeping them from it. I don't think either of these guys want to transfer. I don't think Jackson Dart wants to go anywhere else. I don't think he plans to go anywhere else. But I do think Jackson Dart knows that being a good quarterback, a really, really good quarterback at the college level, is a valuable thing right now. We talked yesterday about the company that Quinshawn Judkins is in in terms of what he has accomplished in his first two years. He is one of two running backs in the history of the SEC that as a freshman and a sophomore has gone over 1,000 yards and has 15 or more rushing touchdowns. The other is Herschel Walker. That's it. And there are only nine in college football history that have done it. And so Quinshawn Judkins and maybe the people around Quinshawn Judkins see value there. So, to that end, there is leverage. But Borky leverage only truly exists if there is a suitor who is willing to pay as much or more, and maybe significantly more, than Ole Miss is willing to pay for these guys. And before you just, but before you throw your hands up and you're like, just pay them whatever they want. No, no, that's. That's really bad business. That's not how the Grove Collective and Ole Miss have been successful 
in terms of building their roster over the last couple of years. Just give them whatever they want. That has not been the mindset that has led Ole Miss to have a really good roster. And newsflash here, and this is going to catch some people off guard, and it may have some people raise their eyebrows at me a little bit, Ole Miss didn't do or isn't doing what they have done in the transfer portal this year simply by throwing money at guys and saying, ah, just give them whatever they want. Now, Ole Miss has been very, very competitive financially. You heard a lot of people say, and this is accurate, I believe, that the offer that Ole Miss made to Walter Nolan was significantly better than anybody else's offer. But that wasn't a situation where it was like, ah, just whatever he wants, just give it to him. It was a negotiation, and they were willing to pay what they ultimately paid because of the value that they saw in him and what he could bring to this team. And and so just ah, give Jackson Dart whatever he wants. That's that that's that doesn't make any sense. And here's the thing that's here's the catch in all this. Does it matter? Like, does it really matter if Ole Miss gets a deal done today that they announce tomorrow that Jackson Dart is coming back? Does that matter? No. Almost doesn't play another football game until August 31st. The end of August next year, of 2024. They just have to ultimately get a deal done with Jackson Dart. And so, if you feel like you've got the upper hand because you are the incumbent, and you feel like you have put a fair deal on the table, and your guy is going, well, I don't know, I think I can get this, then don't you say, test the waters a little bit. See what you can get. Because if you don't think that your quarterback can go get significantly more money than you're offering, well, then the market told him what he was worth. And maybe it's what you were willing to pay. Maybe you got to bump it a little bit. But maybe you don't have to go to what the actual number was. I'm so hesitant to throw numbers out, like even as illustrations. I don't think that's a good plan. Because people take it as gospel. Yeah, and and, and that's not the deal. So so if Quinshawn Judkins thinks that he's worth 50% more than whatever Ole Miss is offering, maybe he is. But maybe he's not. Maybe... Maybe on the open market, he's not worth as much as he thinks he is. And so that's part of the business strategy piece of it for Ole Miss. We'll do what we've got to do, but there's no sense in overpaying just to be able to put a tweet out. Mm, From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. 
The last two days have shown us that special teams are a big deal in bowl games. Trailing 17-14, Rutgers just blocked a punt, recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown, and the Scarlet Knights are back in front. Borky, the bowl games are running together from last night. The um, There was a punt return for a touchdown. Was that while we were still on the air yesterday? It was. Which game was that? I think that was West Virginia, North Carolina. Yes, yes, it was West Virginia. North Carolina is playing a little bit better, and West Virginia got the punt return for a touchdown, and it kind of kind of swung the game. Yeah. Just thinking ahead to Saturday, what's going to be the difference? Offensive line, defensive line, you know, quarterback play. Yeah, it could be special teams. Could be. So, you laid it out nicely. I mean, this is so. For all, Ole Miss fans have really enjoyed uh, the fruits of this era lately, right? I mean, the portal class is really good. The roster retention's been great. And it's almost like fans kind of forgot that there is an ugly side to this, too, that sometimes you are going to have to deal with players possibly doing what they're doing. But, you know, this is part of it. It's There's good and bad uh, to this. You, you can build rosters. You can level the playing field. We've seen it. Missouri, Louisville, Ole Miss all have leveled the playing field to, the, to a degree getting good players, all that. But there's also this side of it. It's just part of the game now moving forward. So frankly, you just kind of have to deal with it. But using your brain for a second, just just thinking logically, if they didn't intend to return to Ole Miss, would they be playing Saturday? If Quinshawn Judkins was about to take, if you believe what people say, which you shouldn't, a million and a half dollars to go play for LSU, you think he'd line up in an Ole Miss uniform on Saturday and risk that? Probably not, right? If you're Trey Harris and Jordan Watkins and Caden Priestcorn and Juice Wells, would you have committed and signed on to stay with Ole Miss not knowing who your quarterback is going to be? Hmm. Probably not, right? Because they could have either gone to the NFL or... All three of them could have put their names in the portal and possibly gotten more money than what they're getting from Ole Miss, if we're being honest. Trey Harris could have gotten a lot of money had he entered the portal again, but chose not to. You think he did that, not knowing? Lane Kiffin brought Spencer Sanders, a four-year starter, into Ole Miss last year, despite having Jackson Dart. They are in on no portal quarterbacks. Do you think that he would be... Lane Kiffin, of all people, Lane Kiffin would not be recruiting quarterbacks if he didn't know who he was going to have next year. Maybe the deals, quote-unquote, aren't done. But everybody, there's one thing that everybody there expects to happen. And it's Jackson Dart will line up at quarterback for Ole Miss in 2024. The receivers expect it. The tight end expects it. The coaching staff expects it. Because they've been told that that's what's going to happen. I think I can say this now. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. I don't think I will. I don't know who I'd get in trouble with. After last season, there were a lot of offers for Quinshawn Judkins after his freshman year. And they got a deal done with him. And then they had to renegotiate that deal. And then they had to renegotiate that deal again. 
And ultimately, it got done. It's not as simple as just, hey, here's the deal. You good? Okay, sign it. I'll... Guys can ag- that... Borky, I am not the we've got to have guardrails guy. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. It's, you know, was it Brett that talked about it yesterday? It's like, if it's a free market, let, let's enjoy freedom, right? They, right. They, okay. Um, these guys, just because they negotiate an NIL deal, doesn't mean they can't do it again. It's not and a again. sign. Yeah. And you also have to remember that you're not dealing just with Quinshawn Judkins. You're not just dealing with Jackson Dart. You're not just dealing with Walter Nolan or any of the other guys you want to say. You're dealing with everybody that's involved with them, their representation, their family, their people. And all these guys have representation and family and people now. If it was just you sit down with the player himself and you try to work out a deal, it'd be a whole lot easier. That's not how it works. No. And so not only do players themselves have people talking to them and saying things to them and whispering things into their ear, and, and they're reading things on their own about what they're worth and value and what other people are getting. All of those people who are around them have the exact same thing happening. Hey, you know your son or your daughter? Well, we're talking about sons here in the case of football. You know your client. You know your former player could be getting this here. Oh, you agreed to what? Oh, you can get more than that. I mean, and, and so it's not just a simple, Borky, if I want to hire you for a job, you may have people in your life that you trust. You may talk to your dad. You may talk to an attorney or an accountant and kind of get an opinion. But if I'm hiring you for a job, I'm dealing with you. And... I'm dealing with your situation, and you've got to determine, do I want this job or do I not want this job? If I I don't have an agent, if I did have an agent, and ESPN was saying, hey, this is the deal, well, well, my agent is trying to get me the best deal that he can, but it gets to a point in the negotiation where it's like, hey, here is our offer. If you want it, we want you. If you don't, we wish you the best. And then I've got to decide with the advice of my agent or people that are close to me, do I want it or not? It's not like this ongoing thing forever and ever. But here's the difference. They make their offer. We negotiate back and forth. We agree they sign a con or they write a contract, they hand it to me. These are the terms of the contract. I sign it, and now it's binding. 
based on what's in the contract. There may be outs in the contract. There may be look-ins into the contract. But, and, and just to, I mean, not to overplay this, let, let's say that I sign a contract with ESPN based on who I am and what I do right now. And something happens and there's an announcer that gets sick. And they slide me into that announcer spot for a game. And it turns into a great game. And I have this iconic call. And they're like, man, we got to use this Richard guy on more stuff. And so they decide to start using me on more stuff. That doesn't mean that I get to all of a sudden be paid like Chris Fowler just because I'm doing higher profile stuff. I'm on contract to do events for them at X number of dollars per event. Now, when my contract's up, I get to renegotiate, and then I've got some leverage because I'm valuable at that point. But I still got to sign the deal, do the contract. But that's not the case with these guys that we're talking about right now. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. And so, so this has taken an interesting turn. The, the, a little back and forth on the ceasefire text line. Um, I mentioned Walter Nolan, and this person very, very emphatically said, Ole Miss didn't make the offer, Richard. It was Bill Jordan, owner of Realtree Outdoors, that got Nolan. So here's how I responded. Really? That's how it went down? You sure about that? And I'm not being disrespectful here, but are you sure that's actually how it went down, or is that just something you read on a message board? Here was his response. No, my uncle, who is a PT in Oxford and is a huge booster and knows the ins and outs, he said that's how it went down, NIL with Realtree. And I told him, I got bad news for you, friend. Your uncle's wrong. Is Realtree involved with the Grove Collective? Absolutely. But they're not out there negotiating deals with players. So his response was, I'm so sick of listening to this old Miss show. Do y'all ever talk about state anymore? Yes. We absolutely talk about state all the time. I'm sorry that Brian Haydad took four days of vacation this week. Would we spend a little bit more time on state if he was here? Yeah, probably. But what are we talking about with state right now? Like what? We're back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. You uh, you want to be part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Um, 
I wasn't sure exactly what David meant by this. He said, so you're saying basically collectives are puppets and figureheads. And I said, I'm not sure that I follow. He said, the booster organization answers to the coaching staff behind closed doors. If if a collective is run well, then the collective is operating in concert with what the coaching staff wants. I don't know that calling them a puppet is right. No, because the collective... It's the same partnership as an NFL GM and the coaching staff. It's the exact same partnership. Coach will say, go get me a corner. GM will say, okay, here are your options. Coach says, hey, I want option one. He's the best. GM comes back and says, can't take on his salary. Or, or Borky, okay, we'll get option one. But that means you're going to have to go to option two or option three on this, this, and this. Yeah. Because we can't do all of these things. Start with the money. Right. And so when people say this is a college football doesn't have a salary cap, it doesn't, but it does. Because everybody's got a finite amount of money to spend. Despite what people think, there's not a bank that is giving out loans to the Grove Collective. They do have a finite amount of money that they are operating under. They have what they think their cap is, or I guess what they know their cap is, and how much they can spend for 2024 and and beyond. Very similar to the NFL. But the thing you were talking about earlier is why it always cracks me up when I get pushback when I say that college sports can stand to be a lot more like professional sports. Because people aren't hearing the next part of that. They just think, oh, I hate the NBA. No, it can't be like, no. Because in the NFL... When Lamar Jackson was going through that free agency deal, which, by the way, people like Adam Schefter are totally misinterpreting why teams said no to him, but anyway. After the Ravens signed Lamar Jackson this past offseason, fans celebrated in the street. Why did they do that? Because he was locked in. Lamar Jackson was a Raven. Probably forever. But at least for the set number of years in his contract. And he can't get out of that. You talked about Judkins signing a deal, coming back, nah, I need more. Coming back, nah, I need more. If that's how it happened or whether somebody gave a better offer, whatever. That's where college sports can stand to be more like professional sports. College football needs to be more like the NFL when it comes to that. When you lock in your star, he's locked in. When you lock in Dak Prescott, if you're the Cowboys, to to bring State into this, The Cowboys locked in Dak Prescott. Huge contract. At the time, people thought they overpaid. Now it's cheap because he's locked into an expensive deal. They set the market, but then the next guy had their deal done, and it didn't matter anymore. Dak couldn't just come back to the Cowboys and say, actually, no, I need more now because Burrow's going to get more than me, so I need more now. Josh Allen's getting more. I need more. He can't do that because he signed a contract. That phenomenon needs to exist in college sports. Because for as great as Quenchon Judkins is and Jackson Dart is, they should not have more power than Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to win the MVP this year. So 
yes, college sports in those ways needs to look more like professional sports. Because this conversation, frankly, is kind of ridiculous. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Um, quick question on here. Did Walker Howard redshirt? My question is, what happens if Dart gets hurt in the bowl game with no Sanders? So Walker Howard redshirted at LSU last year? Correct. So, no, he did not redshirt this year. He so he didn't redshirt this year, but... It wouldn't matter if he had. And for anybody else that did redshirt this year, and remember you're allowed to play four games and still redshirt, for anybody else that did that, they can still play in the bowl game. There was new NCAA legislation a year or two ago where they basically said, and and partly it was because of opt-outs, Anybody that is on the roster can play, and it does not affect eligibility. So anybody that is on the trip for Penn State, for Ole Miss, can play in the bowl game, and it doesn't affect anything in terms of their eligibility going forward. David Cobb from CBS Sports will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. That's how we will start the 4 o'clock hour. Coming up next with you right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Rutgers going full on tush push, and it doesn't quite work on first and goal. Scarlet Knights leading at 21 17 over Miami and trying to extend the lead in the bad boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. And glad to welcome David Cobb to the program. He joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. David writes at CBS Sports. He's been there for uh, a long time now. And, uh, David, this is a fun time of year. We get the crossover of football with conference play and basketball just about to get started uh, also a busy time of year, uh, especially for guys that cover the sports. Yeah, it's fun though. Uh, we get to, uh, mix our holidays with, with, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of football and, uh, a whole lot of transfer portal too. I can't forget that. So it's, uh, all systems go around here, even though most folks are uh, still sitting around sleeping off the, uh, the, the, the Christmas feast. All right, so so what are you doing in terms of how you cover the transfer portal? Well, thankfully, I'm not charged with uh, keeping as close of a tra- uh, of tabs on the uh, football portal as I am in basketball, where my responsibility on the basketball side uh, during the spring and early summer is to rank uh, the top 50 transfers. Uh, trying to rank the football transfers would be almost impossible. Uh, so my uh, responsibility basically extends to, hey, if there's a big name who announces his commitment, uh, then you know we'll, we'll ride on it. Like Walter Nolan, for instance. I didn't do that story. But, of course, when Walter Nolan commits, we're going to write about that because it's yeah. such a big name. And, and he, he gave Ole Miss a, a, 
further solidified Ole Miss's status as having the number one transfer class. So you look for stories, you look for for angles, and and you know uh, that's a perfect example of one that's going to resonate beyond maybe just with a, a one single fan base. What's your thought on the Peach Bowl? This uh, this matchup with Ole Miss and, and Penn State, obviously two ten and two teams with pretty similar resumes in that they both lost to the two best teams on their schedule. In the case of Penn State, it was Ohio State and Michigan. In the case of Ole Miss, it was Alabama and Georgia, but won all the others. Uh, Ole Miss, a team that has a, a reputation for being pretty good offensively. Penn State, uh, a team with a reputation of being really good defensively. Yeah, absolutely. I love the matchup. I think it's one of the best bowl matchups there is. I think both teams going to be pretty motivated. You go and look at the opt-out list. Uh, there's not a, a ton of, of like elite-level players on either side who have opted out. And uh, the the matching of wits between Lane Kiffin and that and that Manny Diaz-led Penn State defense is, um, is is fun. Now, I mean, I know Manny Diaz is on his way out, so so maybe that that hurts the Penn State defense a, a little bit, but. Uh, still, it's one of the more compelling matchups of of bowl season, both in terms of the personnel available and just the the style of play. You throw in the fact that Ole Miss is trying to get to eleven wins for the first time in, in program history. Uh, that to me all makes for a very uh, intriguing and, and, and interesting bowl game. Who do you think's got the upper hand? I would maybe lean Penn State uh, because of the defense. They've had a lot of time to prepare. Uh, for for what Ole Miss does, and that certainly helps. Um, but my gosh, it's almost like Mercedes Benz Stadium is is like a second home for Ole Miss with how much they've played there with it, with the neutral site games and whatnot over the years. So it's uh, no, no, no. I, I think it's pretty close to a, to a toss up, uh, to, to be honest with you. And you know, I think it's probably going to come down to whether or not, as it has for Penn State all season. Can Penn State generate explosive plays in the passing game? And we've seen the Ole Miss defense be susceptible at times, but it also feels like they've taken a step forward this year and that Pete Golding has them going in the right direction. And so maybe to me that's what it comes down to is is you know Penn State's ability to, to throw the football downfield actually generate some explosive plays uh, in the passing game. If Penn State can do that, I think they'll be able to keep pace and win the ball game, but uh, if Ole Miss is secondary and their pass rush are are uh, playing at, at their best and at their top level, then then I, then I like Ole Miss. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be I think a fun one to watch. Let's talk about the playoff games just for a second. The, the semifinals, um, this matchup with Alabama and Michigan in the Rose Bowl. We've got the press conferences that are happening and heard from coaches and heard from players and. Some of the Michigan players trying to rewrite history a little bit about how they reacted to the announcement that they would be playing Alabama and not Florida State, and that it wasn't that they were intimidated or scared. It was just that they were surprised, and none of that matters, right? Set it all to the side. What does matter in the matchup between Michigan and Alabama in the uh, in the shadows of the San Gabriel Mountains? <laughs> well. I, I look at the matchup and I see a quarterback in Jalen Milrow who is the most dynamic quarterback in the college football playoff field. And again, probably I, I said this when Alabama played Georgia and I, I turned out to be true or close to true uh, that Jalen Milrow would be different or, or perhaps even better than any quarterback Georgia had faced 
this season, and I feel similarly about Jalen Milrow playing against the, the Michigan defense. And you go back to the college football playoff semifinal game last year, and Max Duggan uh, scoring a couple of touchdowns on the ground for, for TCU in that game and, and making a difference. And I think Jalen Milrow is, is similarly dynamic to Max Duggan, but even actually a little bit better. Uh, he's, a, he's a faster runner, and he's a better downfield passer. So I, I think he is kind of the key to this ball game, and it's kind of funny seeing the the quotes come out of the media day uh, over the last twenty four hours about the fact that uh, Bill O'Brien once upon a time in mm-hmm. Alabama tried to con- uh, convert Jalen Milrow into something other than a quarterback, um, which now in hindsight is kind of comical because he's become one of the one of the best in the country. So I like that. I like the fact that Alabama is battle tested. I wrote about this at CBS Sports. I think. I think the fact that Alabama has grown comfortable uh, playing from behind and playing in close games this season actually gives them an edge because Michigan's just used to dominating. Michigan's not used to having to put together uh, clutch drives uh, with the game on the line. And come the college football playoff, uh, you got to do that sort of stuff. So I, I think those things work in Alabama's favor. The the Sugar Bowl matchup with Texas and Washington um... – Three really, really good wide receivers. Um, Michael Penix, so accurate, and maybe even a bigger arm than people give him credit for. Texas and that physical defensive front. Texas has got some elite wide receivers. They're just not talked about maybe quite as much as uh, as the ones for Washington. Quinn Ewers has been good. This one feels like it's got all the ingredients. Yeah, I think this college football playoff more than any that that I can really remember in, in the four-team era, 10 years of it now, and this is the last one, it, it feels like anybody could win it all. And that's unique, and it, it extends all the way to, to Washington. Uh, a Pac-12 team has never won uh, the national championship in the, in the college football playoff era, but they, they're capable. And uh, Michael Penix has been phenomenal this year, playing through injury. I think he's going to be more healthy in this game than he's been since probably late September because he's been so banged up and it might have cost him the Heisman Trophy because he just wasn't as effective in November and late, you know, down the stretch as, as he was early in the season and, and at points last year. So you talk about a, a healthy Michael Penix Jr. with those wide receivers. That's, that's more uh, dynamic explosiveness, really, than, than Texas has seen all year. And then you, you go and look at the other time they, they faced a, a left-handed quarterback. He was pretty good at chucking the ball down the field. Hmm. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, that, that was the only time Texas lost. Um, so so I, think, I think there's a chance here that, that Washington can exploit the back end of Texas' defense and, and uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe win that one straight up uh, with, with those, those wideouts because that, that's a lot. That's a lot for the Texas defense to, to contain when they haven't had to see a passing attack that explosive in quite some time. So do I hear you saying that, that you think the national championship game is Alabama and Washington? Uh, I mean, uh, it's a toss-up, man. I, uh, I'm kind of waffling on that. You're waffling. I'm waffling on that Washington-Texas game. Uh, maybe I just talked myself into Washington, but uh, – yeah, look, I, 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 I wrote for CBS Sports this week why Alabama um, can win it all. And in the course of researching that article and getting into the numbers and, and, and looking at the matchups, 
you kind of talk yourself into it a little bit. And the only other time that Alabama was the number four seed in the college football playoff, they won it all. Nick Saban thrives in these situations where the country is saying, Alabama, you don't even deserve to be in this playoff. Florida yeah. State should be in this playoff. You know, and, and that gives him an edge or an end to be a motivator. No other coach in this college football playoff has ever won a, a CFP game. Nick Saban has seven national titles. He's won the college football playoff uh, three times. So he's got a, an automatic le- leg up there, an advantage in the experience department. He's got the, the all that he needs to motivate his team. And so I, I think that actually you know works in Alabama's favor. You can debate whether or not they should be there. I mean, I'm, I'm all for that debate. I think Florida State got snuck. <laughs> but, but hey, David, David I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you have time to hang for one more segment, or do you need to run? Awesome, because I want to talk some college basketball with you as well. Got a quick timeout, more with David Cobb from CBS Sports coming after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. To Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Great to be with you and appreciate David Cobb, not only for spending one segment, but for agreeing to hang on and chat for just a little while longer. Um, David, I wanted to switch gears and, and talk some basketball. And because frankly, Mississippi State last year, they make the run to the NCAA tournament, but it was such a weird season in that. They had a brutal start to league play. Really, really hard schedule. I think they were 1-7, and seven, and then they kind of built toward the end, so it wasn't like there was just this sustained enthusiasm. We look at Mississippi State, they're 10-2 and two right now and 32 in the net, last time I checked. And you've got Ole Miss, who has been irrelevant the last couple of years in basketball, and they're one of three undefeated teams in the country. I feel like people are genuinely excited about it around here. Yeah, they should be. It feels to me, now, you've probably been in that building this season a couple of times at least, but, I mean, has Chris Beard not brought a, a level of energy to the pavilion that hasn't been there in a while? Yes. Um, the, yeah. the Memphis game was the best crowd so far, and it was really, really good this year. I was actually not there for that game. Their game against Troy, which was like a week and a half ago, I had somebody tell me that it was the best non-conference crowd that they had seen in the building since it opened. That's, yeah, it's amazing. And that's the perfect illustration of why I think Ole Miss is going to be dangerous in the SEC this season. I don't know that I see Ole Miss going 12-6 uh, and six in the SEC or even really being in the mix for a league title by any stretch. But when teams like Auburn uh, come to the pavilion or you know other uh, – upper echelon SEC foes come through that building, I think it's going to be really, really tough to win there because of the energy that he's brought to that program. Now you throw in Brandon Murray getting eligible, a guy who's averaged double figures in the SEC at LSU in the past. Uh, Musa Cisse is starting to get get his legs underneath him. You've got the best shot-blocking duo in the country there. Uh, so it, it's, uh, yeah, it's coming, it's coming together. They're shooting the three ball really well, too, which – 
And we'll see if they can sustain that because their level of competition is about to increase. But, man, there is something to be said for uh, what, what they are doing there. And I, I, I'm a believer that Ole Miss is going to find a way uh, to, to get into the NCAA tournament. I'm starting to kind of be there with you. To what you were saying just a second ago, I think there's a great litmus test on the building and the energy and the crowd. So Ole Miss opens league play at Tennessee on January 6th, and then they come back home three days later. I can't remember if it's Tuesday night or Wednesday night. Their home SEC opener is Florida. And I don't know how much you've watched that Florida team. That's a really talented group. And Todd Golden's kind of they're playing at the pace that he wants to play. To me, that's the kind of game that a year ago they're not in that they could very well win this season. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, they're they're still not clicking on all cylinders defensively, Ole Miss is, but you know Chris Beard will get them there. Uh and, and with those shot blockers underneath the rim, like like they're gonna get it figured out defensively and when they do, I mean they can get really dangerous. So yeah, I, I just think that, that the energy factor that he's brought, it's going to make the pavilion just a, such a brutal place to play uh, that they're bound to pick up some wins in the league. And, and you look at what Beard's done in the past. Uh, he was good at Texas in year one. He was at least decent at Texas Tech in year one. And, of course, when he was at Little Rock, he turned them around in one season. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's tough to tell sometimes with these teams because this time last year LSU was – was thriving and they were like 12 and one in year one under Matt McMahon and then they fell apart in the league. I think Ole Miss is a little bit more legitimate though. I think their, their roster's a little better and I think, I think I trust Chris Beard, um, to make this team competitive in the SEC. All right. So let's go down the road a bit to Starkville, Mississippi State 10 and two. They have six of their 12 games this year have been neutral site games and they've won them. Uh, including the win against Rutgers in Newark this past Saturday. I feel like that's going to a win that's going to continue to be good for them. Uh, they, they've got the one bad loss, but it's like they've won enough to kind of blot that out sitting at 33, and they've done all of this without Tolu Smith. Yeah, exactly right. I think people are, are probably forgetting that, that outside of Mississippi, maybe forgetting that, that Tolu Smith hasn't played a minute. This season, and he's your uh, preseason All SEC player. He's your likely leading scorer, uh, a guy who some people thought might be a fringe All American. So you add him back into the mix, and and you're talking about uh, a team that's got all it needs to hang with anybody in the SEC. I mean, the SEC is so watered down at the top right now that the league is just completely up for grabs. And you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think Mississippi State's going to win the conference, but there's nobody in the league who I look at and say, oh, yeah, Mississippi State can't beat that team. You know I mean, I think anybody in the league, especially coming through uh, Starkville, is, is going to be vulnerable uh, because uh, Christian, I mean, there's two really good basketball coaches right now in in the state of Mississippi at those SEC schools. And, you know, the, the circumstances which brought them there, you know, maybe they weren't ideal, uh, but, but those two – they can coach. They can flat out coach, and, and both those schools are going to be a problem this year. David, what matters more, the schedule you play or the wins that you get? Does that it feel should like be a the wins question? that you get. It's, no, no, I know where you're going. Maybe with this, because if you're referring to Alabama, maybe because they're yeah. number nine in the in the net, and, and they they just keep losing. It's, it's amazing. They're seven and five. It's amazing that, that Alabama at seven and five. Uh, having lost four of their last six games. I wrote about them today. 
that they are still a top ten team in, in these metrics. I mean, you know, look, I I, I, I just sometimes just get fed up with the algorithms and the uh, and the computer metrics because you go eventually you have to win, and, and the only team that Alabama has beaten of any of any repute is is Oregon, and Oregon's not even not even that good. So I. I'm annoyed by the fact that the uh, the, the computers love a, a struggling Alabama team so much. Yeah, uh, and we'll see if that continues to be the case, or if this schedule has gotten them ready for the uh, for the grind that is SEC play. How big of a believer are you in Tennessee? They're nine and three right now. Those three losses. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, North Carolina and, and Kansas and uh, Purdue. Yeah, I think Tennessee's a high floor, low ceiling team. Kind of like they usually are under Rick Barnes. The Dalton Connect has added a little bit of spice to their offense, but he's been something too as of late. Uh, so unless he's going to be the player who he was at North Carolina, where he went off for thirty something, you know, uh, unless he's going to be that guy on a regular basis, I think I think you're talking about a Tennessee team that that maxes out uh, around the Sweet Sixteen this year because you know you're going to get some, some nasty defense from those guys, but. At the end of the day, you got to get buckets too, and, and they're still kind of struggling to find where they're going to get those buckets from. All right, David, I, I am fighting because I saw them play in person. I, I did one of the games or the the games in the Orange Bowl Classic, and I saw Florida against Richmond. I know Richmond's just a, kind of an okay mid major team. I, I understand that. I was really, really impressed with the personnel that Florida's got. They've got young, talented bigs. And they've gotten a couple of pieces back that they weren't sure if they were going to have eligible. Is Florida the team that nobody's talking about that we could look up and go, wow, they made a run this year? Yeah, there's a good chance that that could be the case. I mean, they're, you know, Todd Golden was, was like universally allotted when he was hired. He's kind of been this like college basketball, like hipster legend for a while because <laughs> of the work that he did at at San Francisco, and we just didn't see it in year one. It didn't manifest. It didn't take hold, but he just continued to work the, the portal, continued to turn the roster, and I think he's got a group that he likes. So, yeah, I think I think Auburn, I would also put in that category. I mean, more people were giving love to Auburn before the season than Florida, but you're still talking about an Auburn team that's hardly been ranked this season that, that's kind of living on the outskirts of, of national relevance, and I think I think both Auburn and Florida kind of fit that category of, of sleeper teams who could really make some noise in the SEC. i got to be honest, David, with you. I'm really fired up that people around here are excited about basketball for the first time in uh, in a while. And, and again, I kind of put that caveat. I know Mississippi State was a tournament team a year ago, but it just kind of was a slow build. Uh, there's some juice here in Mississippi for college basketball season. I know you're a basketball guy, and that excites you as well. Thanks so much for your time, man. Great catching up. Happy New Year, and look forward to talking to you next year. Hey, same to you. I appreciate it, Richard. David Cobb from CBS Sports joining us for an extended visit on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Borky, I know that's something that you've tweeted a couple of times, that it's really, really cool that we're going to have fun, meaningful basketball. In January, looks like in February, Hopefully into March. Just the the energy. Football is its own animal. So yes. absent a gigantic football game, the energy in a big college basketball game, a meaningful college basketball game. I'm not talking about arena size. Just a college basketball game with stakes on it, with meaning. 
the energy in that environment is unmatched in sports, absent a major college football game. Nothing else like it. Yeah. It's really special. When it's right, and it doesn't matter who the school, what school you're talking about. You can be talking about Mississippi State at the hump. You can be talking about Ole Miss at the Pavilion. You can be talking about Mizzou at Mizzou Arena or Tennessee at Thompson Bowling or Arkansas at Bud Walton or any of them. When it is right, it's special. Yeah. And it's fun. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. We're back right after this. This is Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Luke in Oxford sends us a message. He says, my dad and I were at the Kentucky-Mississippi State game in Starkville in 2003. It was the best environment I've ever been in for a sporting event. It was one of two conference losses on the season en route to a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. Heck of a season. Yeah, so that game against Kentucky was game Three in conference play. January 13th. 10,432 people inside Humphrey Coliseum for that game. State was 13-0. and And they had gone from unranked at the beginning of the year to um, number 20. I think, that was a, I think that was a Super Tuesday game, if I remember correctly. So it was the 03-04 season, and this was January 13, 2004. Kentucky won that game 67-66. And, Borky, it was ridiculous. And that's what Humphrey Coliseum can be. When, when State fills up Humphrey Coliseum, I'm telling you, it is as loud as... Anywhere in the country for basketball. Imagine if they let the bells in there. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'll pass. And that's not even a knock on cowbells. No, you'd like, have... That's a, that's a knock on my sanity and my long-term hearing. Yeah, you'd probably have medical issues for the guys on the court if you let the bells in there. But, yeah, man, that sounds incredible. I'd, I, I could sit, truly, I could sit with my eyes closed for a while and listen to the ambiance of a major college basketball game. I could sit with my eyes closed and just listen to it and appreciate what it is. Where have you not been to a basketball game that you most want to go? Oh, it's there's one answer. Uh, even though I lived... It's, it's funny. People think that I grew up like South and North well, Carolina well, are the same I'm, place. I'm interested to hear what you say because I don't think I've got the same answer. Because... Uh, I'll meet somebody. Hey, do you know John Smith? He's from Raleigh. It's like Raleigh's nine hours from me. I'm closer to here than I was to Raleigh, but uh, it's Cameron. I've never been, I've never had the opportunity to go. 
I just have to. I, th- th- that's the iconic venue. I've got to see a game there. I would love to go to a game at Cameron, but that's not it for me. It's it's Fog Allen. I want to go to a game at Kansas. That place is nuts. It looks it. And I, I, I think watching a game on television there, you don't realize how big it is. That place seats like, well, I don't want to exaggerate. Hold on. Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Is it 18,000? 16,300. That's a big basketball crowd. And it's not like layered or anything, right? It's just one. There are no premium seats. The the only premium seats are the front row seats around the court. There are no skyboxes. There's no loge boxes. There's no club level. It is just people on top of people, and they fill it to the rafters every time they play. Um, I just I want to see them do the rock chalk thing, you know, for one of those big games they have on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday night. Looks really cool. You've called a lot of basketball. What's your favorite arena? Mm. It doesn't have to be like the most iconic arena you've ever been to, but if you would think, hey, that was my favorite place to to go call or watch a game. Bud Walton. Really? Looks when, like a cavern. It's big. I don't think there's a another building, uh, another arena, that is 30 years old that has stood up has kind of stood the test of time the way Bud Walton has. And I've 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 been there just as a fan. Um I was there one year for women's basketball and Borky they were playing Kentucky. So the women's game was on a Sunday and we got there on a Saturday and they were playing Kentucky on either a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. I just went and Arkansas, Kentucky, and Bud Walton's pretty big deal. Um, but no, I've had some some SEC games there where it's been crazy, uh, so loud. Fans are really, really good. That's um, that's a cool spot. Rupp is really neat. I, I I've never done a, an important game there. It was you know. I did a game where they played Center College. I did a game where they played, you know, Murray State or somebody like that. Um, but even so, it's like I'm doing a game at Rupp Arena. This yeah. is pretty cool. I tell you, man, Missouri last year was was really good too. How was Arkansas? And I know they've had really good baseball success recently. I mean, they haven't won the thing, and that's that's a a good joke, but. Arkansas football and basketball, in my lifetime, like where I was old enough to remember, is completely irrelevant. I mean, they've won nothing of consequence really my entire life. How? You don't have basketball? And football, too. You loop football in. I mean, I know they had Darren McFadden and those were fun teams, but they have beautiful facilities. Fayetteville is a cool town. They're the only show in the entire Uh-oh. state of Arkansas. 
Did Miami, Miami just recover? They just recovered the onside kick down 31 24 with 25 seconds left. Got drama at Yankee Stadium with Rutgers in Miami. Sorry to interrupt the uh, the the oh, thought process fine. there. Ex- excellently uh, executed onside kick, by the way. They instead of trying to get the ball, they got the guy that touched the ball. He smoked the guy that caught the ball, or was trying to catch the ball. Yep. And anyway, but yeah, how is our how is that? I mean, is it just years of bad hires? And I mean, because they deeply care. All, all that. And they've just they've been nothing. Yeah, the the football piece for Arkansas, I think, is partly related to recruiting. And and Arkansas just doesn't have the recruiting base that I mean Fayetteville for the longest time was really hard to get to. It's kind of tucked away up in the northwest corner. They had some success getting players out of out of Oklahoma and out of Texas, but I mean everybody's recruiting in those areas. It's just it's a hard football job to to sustain success there. Um, now they won a national championship in basketball, but it's been a while. It was in 1994. Yeah, it was two. I'm 31. Somebody says is Nolan Richardson the last good Arkansas coach? I um I don't think that's fair. Mike Anderson was a good coach. Obviously, it didn't work out, but Mike Anderson was a good basketball coach. Uh, John Pelfrey, that didn't go so well. Stan Heath didn't go so well. Eric Musselman's really good. He's a weird guy. I mean, he he's weird, but he's a heck of a basketball coach. I, I mean, I, you are who you are, but doesn't he need to calm down a bit? I, I, f- I feel like the antics could ultimately adversely affect your team. When you're so overly emotional as the coach, don't you think that that would impact young men? Um, I don't know, man. It seems to work. They've made some runs yeah, under him. it does. And they get better as the season goes along. Bobby in Batesville says, Most of my extended family lives in Memphis. They're all Memphis Tiger fans. I swear I've never seen a more intensely engaged and loyal fan base than, than Tiger basketball fans. Bobby, I... I agree with that, but it's different than it used to be. What Memphis had rolling with John Calipari, I, I don't think can ever be replicated. I know they, they're they all in on Penny and the way he's recruiting and all of that. But in terms of they're not, they're not filling the building. I mean, they had a really good crowd against uh, Clemson a couple of weeks ago. They announced over 15,000. The the scanned turnstile count for that game was still just 9,000. Uh, it's, it's not anything like it was. But, yeah, Tiger basketball fans, are they're passionate. But, man, Memphis basketball pre-Grizzlies, when that was, that was the biggest game in town, that was the deal in Memphis – it was it it was so big. Yeah, and Borky. I mean, this is so far before you. I mean, they they used to play at the mid or the uh, yeah the Mid South Coliseum, and that was a hard place to play. And then it was at the Pyramid, and that was a hard place to play. FedEx Forum's different. I mean, it's a pro arena, big pro arena, and it's just hard to fill up an eighteen thousand seat arena, especially when all of your conference games are against American conference teams. 
Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi wrapping up the 4 o'clock hour. Rutgers holds on. Miami can't do anything after recovering the onside kick, and Rutgers gets a 31-24 win over Miami in the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Did everybody get a, a mower if they won? Probably not. That would be a nice bowl gift. Yeah, it would. It really would. Could you imagine seeing the football team riding to class? In their wonder how many of those. <laughs> I wonder how many of the guys that played that game, like combined, everybody that actually stepped onto the field and took a snap. I wonder how many of them could get on a zero-turn mower and drive it. Like right now, I don't know. <laughs> NC State and Kansas State just. Just kicked off in the uh, Pop-Tarts Bowl there in Orlando. Uh, There's a gigantic toaster on the sideline. I mean, it's huge. It's like 15 feet by 25 feet. I mean, it is a huge toaster. The the trophy is cool with the Pop-Tarts sticking out of the slots. Yeah. It's it's very cool. (laughs) Probably a good game, too. Two good teams. Dave Doran casually winning nine games yet again. Yeah, there he is. There he is. Do, um, ooh, big play. Kansas State touchdown. Wildcats strike first. Quarterback making his first career start. This game and, shouldn't be in the afternoon. This, this should have been a night game on its own with these two teams because, you know, it's not a work day for a lot of people because people don't work this time of year. But well, I feel it's like it off at six o'clock in Orlando. Yeah. I feel like this should have been a primetime game, though. Okay. Hi, you got a pretty darn good primetime game tonight with Arizona and Oklahoma. That you do. The introduction. Yeah. And you're getting one with Tennessee, too. We haven't talked about it yet. Joe Milton clearing the way for Nico, I'm a believer. <laughs> Is that what you're going with? That's what I'm going with. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky sporting his Genteel there. Looking good with the quarter zip. I, I, I actually don't have the Q-zip on. I, I do have underneath. I got, I got Genteel on underneath the Super Talk logo on today. Absolutely love it. If, if you haven't tried Genteel yet, how about that for a New Year's resolution? I am going to try a Genteel golf shirt or quarter zip or pair of shorts or pair of pants this year. Reasonably priced. I mean, very much in comparison with other golf shirts or pants or shorts that you would buy that are, you know, nice stuff that you would find at a a golf shop or a men's specialty store. Maybe even a little less expensive than some. Definitely less expensive than some. Um, And you'll love them. They feel great. The collars are great. They last. They hold up. They look good. Check them out. Genteelapparel.com. That's where you can find them online. And you can get 10% off 
just by entering your email address. So you can save a little money on your uh, your first order. And uh, I, I think you will uh, be glad you did. We've got a bunch of people who have tried Genteel simply because we've been talking about them for the, uh, the last year and a half. And inevitably, those people have come back and said, hey, I really, really like this stuff. You, you guys didn't lead me wrong. So uh, check them out, genteelapparel.com. Proud to be a partner. We are proud to have them as a partner here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon says, well, hey, Dad, participate in Food Friday tomorrow. I would love to know what he has been doing since he has been off. Well, that's a Michael Borky decision because I will not be here tomorrow either. I'm so excited for Solo Show. Are you? I, I like the challenge. It's really hard, but but I can do it. I've got confidence in myself, but it is mm-hmm. difficult. Board, text line, all that. I like the challenge, but this oh, is. Gonna... I assume that Will was going to slide in with oh, you. Oh, is he? Oh, I kind of wanted to do it on. Well, I mean, you can deal with that. Talk to him about that. Well, and if he does, the show will be much better. But um, <laughs> for being honest, but uh, no, I'm I'm excited about that. I, I think that I've had to do it a couple of other times in the past, and this is going to sound so goofy. I'm not out of shape. I work out literally every day of my life, so. After the three hours of completely solo, I'm tired. It's tiring. I don't understand it. I'm just sitting here talking. But when yeah. it's over, I need to like go take a nap. It's, it wears me out. And I know that sounds goofy because we got people that like have, have spent all day working hard. And I'm like, oh, I talked for a little while and I needed to go to sleep. But it's true. It does take a lot out of you. I swear it does. Probably mentally exhausting more than anything else. It's like but, driving. Uh, I mean, I was tired driving to South Carolina and back after the drive. You know, eight hours in the car. I just wanted to go to sleep. I didn't do anything. I just sat for eight hours, and I, it it was tiring. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Five o'clock hour coming up. We'll start things off with the college football fix and uh, a whole lot more. We got plenty of bowl games to talk about. The results that uh, you're you had last night. Had some fun games. What we got coming up tonight as well. Uh, so what you're saying, Richard, is tomorrow will be a snooze fest? No, I'm not saying that at all. Hey, I, I, that you, wasn't you very nice. Absolutely capable hands of Michael Borky. Come on, I will man. Be, uh, I'll be doing what he just described, driving to Atlanta. and I can jump on with you at some point if you want to. Yeah, actually. We'll be your home for... Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Five o'clock hour on this Thursday. Thanks for being with us on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. And a little chilly today for golf. I mean, if you're a warrior, you got it. You can layer up, bundle up, move around. Okay. But uh, you can be assured that there will be plenty of January and February days where it is warm enough to get out. And then we'll roll into the spring when everything blooms and the Azalea's course is just spectacular, leading us into Masters Week and all of those things that will be here before we know it. 
Make your plans to uh, check out Dancing Rabbit Golf. I said earlier about Genteel. Uh, let that be a New Year's resolution. How about this? If you play golf, you live in Mississippi, and you've never played Dancing Rabbit, uh, put that on the list for uh, for 2024. DancingRabbitGolf.com. You can book a tee time there. Uh, most of the time, most of the year, you can also do the um, the the deal where if you place a wager in the sports book, then you get a discounted round of golf, and you got a really good chance to uh, to for it to be a win win. I mean, you can come out of that making money, playing a great round of golf, and having uh, fun, having some action on a game as well. DancingRabbitGolf.com, part of Pearl River Resort. DancingRabbitGolf.com to book your tee time or plan your trip today. Sports Talk, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet service, or the best in business IT services, C Spire's got you covered. Learn more at cspire.com, C Spire, customer inspired. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad is off. I have not texted him. I have not called him. He, he, he tweeted about me. Earlier, he saw the the sad Imus from uh, Miami on the sideline and said that was what he felt like when I didn't get random cultural references that he makes on the show. That's fair. It's mostly just TV and movies. He's on vacation, Borky, and I'm living in his head rent-free. <laughs> and he just rolled his eyes while on vacation. Hey, Dad's off. Uh, we'll all be back together with you to uh, start next week. Let's, uh, what do you say we get into a little college football fix? College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Don't forget you got the holiday sales event going on for just a couple more days, which means great savings for you on the Ford vehicle of your choosing. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. All right, so let's let's go to the scoreboard. Last night, today, and what's coming up. Bowl season is in overdrive right now. Got started today with a good one between Rutgers and Miami. Rutgers jumped out to an early 14-0 lead. Miami stormed back. It was 14-10 at the half. Rutgers kind of pushed it back out. They led 31-17. Miami scored to make it 31-24, make it a seven-point game. They kicked, uh, had an onside kick at the end. They got it with 25 seconds to play, but then they didn't pick up a first down. And Rutgers finishes their year 7-6 with a win in the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. That was the second game of the day. The early game was at Fenway Park. So we went from Fenway to Yankee Stadium to now Camping World Stadium, where NC State and Kansas State are playing with uh, Kansas State leading at 7 to nothing early over NC State. Wolfpack trying to get something going. The early game was number 24 SMU, and Boston College. Boston College was the home team. They were playing much closer to home in conditions that looked like they were far more comfortable in. And their running back, Castellanos, had a big game. 21 carries, 156 yards, two touchdowns, and a 23-14 win over SMU. 
No, this doesn't mean that SMU shouldn't have been in the Fiesta Bowl instead of the Fenway Bowl. I, I don't think you know one plus one necessarily equals two there. Um, my guess is you get a little bit more motivated SMU team if they're playing Oregon. Though the outcome wouldn't have been any different. They still would have lost their bowl game. Yeah. Um, good win for Boston College. Yeah, they returned 17 starters, does Boston College. They could be a, uh, a thorn in the side of the Atlantic Coast Conference featuring Cal. Yeah. Featuring Cal. Jeez. So winning season for uh, Boston College. They finished 7-6. and six. SMU... Uh, finishes the year 11-3, and so 11-win season for Rhett Lashley's club. They win the American Conference in their final year in the American Conference. They are also headed to the ACC next year. Is that right? It is. You got Cal and Stanford and SMU. Dallas, Palo Alto, and Berkeley. Heck yeah. Big markets, I guess. Something like that. Mario Cristobal's buyout, by the well, after this year, what will be remaining on his contract is $54 million. I assume because how Miami got him and because of who his agent is, assuming it's Jimmy Sexton, I think uh, probably he's him. He's everybody's agent. Very little of that would not be guaranteed, if any. So Miami might be stuck with him for a little while. And he's underperforming. I typed in Mario Cristobal, and you know how Google like auto-populates for you? Yeah. The most searched thing right now is Mario Cristobal bio. <laughs> Dade County's really wondering. Yeah. 10-year, $80 million contract. Uh, he's not going anywhere. And they, look, I can't help but wonder if Miami is on the brink of something. They've recruited well. They haven't necessarily kept all of those guys on the roster. Or is it just one of those things where they're just kind of average? I don't know. Things have changed, man. I mean, if you look at Miami and Florida, two programs, Miami a lot less recently than Florida, but still. I mean, Miami has the brand power. They have the championships. They have everything. They've got the U. They've got all that. Completely irrelevant in today's college football. Florida, you've got Tim Tebow. You've got national championships. You've got the Swamp. You've got the Chomp. All that stuff. And they're a disaster. I mean, their history and brand power is carrying no weight anymore at all. None. Yesterday in the uh, the Bowl of Palooza, you had uh, Virginia Tech over Tulane in the Military Bowl presented by Go Bowling. Uh, Virginia Tech won that game 41-20, so Tulane finished the year 11 and 3. West Virginia beat North Carolina 30 to 10. Neil West Brown Virginia. entered on a big hot seat. Turnaround and won 9 games. How good is that? 9 and 4. That's where West Virginia finished. Their quarterback's fun. As uh, as well, Green. The uh, he's he's fun to watch. Yeah, he's a little guy and just doesn't play like it. He's like no, a Chihuahua. Oklahoma State beat Texas A and M last night, thirty-one twenty-three. Bowman, the uh, quarterback for Oklahoma State, threw for four hundred two yards. Ollie Gordon had one hundred eighteen yards on the ground last night. Marcel Reed came into the game and uh, played for Texas A and M, and he's fun. He's really fast, really athletic. 
Um, That's former Ole Miss quarterback Marcel Reed or something like that. Did I hear correctly that Bowman is uh, applying and will likely get? He only played in three games. Yeah, Uh, trying to get a a medical redshirt. A seventh year of eligibility. Did I hear that correctly? Putting him in that Frank Harris category who played seven years at, uh, at UTSA. Good for him, man. You're not a pro. He's not an NFL quarterback. Nope. Nope, he's not. So just... Live in college. I mean, live the dream forever. Why not? Marcel Reed went 20 of 33 for 361 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception in that game last night. And one of the cool stories of bowl season was uh, Southern Cal's win. Not because Southern Cal won, but because of who their uh, quarterback was last night. Obviously, Caleb Williams opting out of the bowl game. And so what did Southern Cal do? They turned to Miller Moss. All he did was go out and throw for 372 with six touchdowns in the win over the Louisville Cardinals, a two-touchdown win, 42-28. Jack Plummer, ooh, tough night for him throwing the football. He, he was 21 of 25 for 141 yards. Yeah. Um, but Moss, man, Miller Moss, he was fun to watch. Lincoln Riley, for all the faults, and, and there are some clearly, quarterback plays not one. Of nope. those faults. If you can play quarterback, if Lincoln Riley wants you to play quarterback for him, your answer is yes, sir. Yeah. I, w- I will do that. So after this Kansas State NC State game tonight, you've got Arizona and Oklahoma. 8 15 kickoff on ESPN. That's the Valero Alamo Bowl. OU. What's the quarterback's name? Jack Arnold? Yes, Jackson Arnold. Jackson Arnold making his starting debut. They think he is the future. Facing uh, facing off against Arizona, and that has been a fun Arizona team. Arizona nine and three, Oklahoma ten and two. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford. The sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If uh, you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line. Like Jeff, he says it's crazy. Thinking about Mississippi State beating Arizona. Mississippi State folks didn't think that that was a great win at the time. And you remember Mississippi State forced, was it five turnovers five, in that game? Well, what was it, five picks and a fumble, right? Wasn't it six? Either way. We didn't up? do that, though. We talked about how, hey, that's a good win. And sure enough, but, it didn't but, mean anything. But I don't know that we thought. Arizona was going to end up winning nine games. No, with not a chance to games, win a tenth. But, but they are very much on the up and up as a program for sure. Interesting spot for State two next year, going to Arizona State in, in week two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a difficult place to play, but despite the rough first season, they seem to be pretty bought in on coach there. He's portaling well. It's a weird trip, kind of a long trip. 
and you're still kind of figuring yourself out, right? I mean, we're going to learn nothing about Mississippi State in week one next year. We'll be excited because the game's going to happen and you're going to get to see the offense and all that, but it's Eastern Kentucky, man. I mean, you learn nothing in games like that. You get to see like offensive concepts, but that's all you see. We yeah. two will learn very quickly about what year one is going to be anyway. They're going to get tested. Tim and Tupelo, just a what if. What would the pundits say and do if Florida State does pull it off and beats Georgia? That would nuke the college football playoff committee. I get where you're going with that, Tim, but it does not feel going into this game like either of these teams is going to resemble what they were in the regular season. And that'll be their their cop-out is... It's easy to explain away. Georgia had opt-outs, didn't want to be there. And Florida State has had a gazillion players say they're not playing. Yeah. They're playing their third-string quarterback, the, the guy that they ran out in the ACC championship game who did not exactly inspire a ton of confidence. They won the game, but it was tough. Um, is Cristobal the used coach next year? Absolutely. Oh, I mean, next year, hundred percent. If for no other reason than finances, but yeah, I mean, look, the results have not followed on the field yet. But Mario Cristobal has recruited at a really high level, and he had to come in and he he kind of had to give that program an enema, like in in terms of buy-in and culture and how hard they were playing and what they wanted to do on defense. Look, what Oregon is now, all the credit in the world to Dan Lanning for for what he has continued to do. But Mario Cristobal went to Oregon and said, enough of this West Coast namby-pamby stuff. We're about to build a team in the image of an elite SEC team. We're going to be physical. We're going to be big at the line of scrimmage. We're going to be fast at the skills positions. But we're going to we're going to ram it down people's throats. And if you watch Oregon, there's nothing finesse about Oregon. I got a question for you though. Is there anything finesse about Washington right now? Because there are a lot of people, Borky, that have, they've kind of characterized this Texas-Washington matchup as Texas nasty on the defensive side. Washington throws it all over the yard. And they do. They've got three elite wide receivers and a great trigger man in Michael Penix. But that offensive line just won the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country. Yeah, and they, and well, they don't give that to finesse offensive lines. One of their guys in their press conference uh, today said that he said, you know, people call what we do soft. Well, put on the tape and tell me if you see soft or something like that. It was, it was mm-hmm. pretty, pretty bad. You know what quote? Um, yeah, people confuse creative and fun offense for finesse, and you can be creative and fun and still be really, really physical. 
Um, they're gonna th- that game is interesting as all get out. Texas and, and Washington. I, I'm more excited for that one. Oh, that's crazy to say, but I am. I'm more excited for Texas Washington than then I you am. are Alabama Michigan. I am. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I think there's I think there's a better chance for more fireworks in that game. I, I have a feeling Alabama Michigan is going to be kind of a slow burn. Another quote for you today from uh, press conferences at the Sugar Bowl. This one from Michael Penix, Washington quarterback, on facing Texas's defense. I'm not going to lie. Their D-line is good. But at the same time, they haven't played our O-line. And they definitely play, what's the word? They play good ball, man. But we're not playing like the 49ers or Eagles D-line. So we'll be good. I, I, I have no issue with that quote. No. Like, I was trying to decide if there was a butt there. No, period. I got no issue with it. Be confident in yourself, man. Uh, You and I discovered a difference during the break. This commercial that I'm seeing just reminded me of it. Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Do you toast them? You're you're a crazy person. Yeah, I toast them. Because I asked the question, I was like, when's the last time somebody actually toasted a Pop-Tart and you looked at me and you said, you don't? can't believe you don't. I understand like if you're on the road, if you pack them for a road trip or something, or after a little Timmy has soccer practice and, and you give him some Pop-Tarts. I get that. But if you're like getting ready for school and you're sitting around the breakfast table and you give untoasted Pop-Tarts, you're crazy. So the only time we ever have Pop-Tarts at the house is if I happen to buy a box of them. Jane's not buying Pop-Tarts. Um, Come on, so Dad. Kids don't. Here's another admission. We don't have a toaster. I. This is another thing. I can't eat sandwiches without somewhat toasting the bread. So if I'm going to eat a sandwich, i got to toast the bread. Yeah, so, I mean, I grew up with a toaster. And we, not only, we had a toaster and a toaster oven. In the house growing up. We, we have neither. If we want toast, Jane will, or I, either one, will pop it in the oven and put it on broil. And, you know, two minutes later, it's ready. You just got to pay attention so you don't burn it. Um, but, yeah, we don't have a toaster. I've often thought it would be convenient if we did. Maybe maybe that's something we should invest in, but we, we, don't, we don't have a toaster in our house. Um. <laughs> We get a message that says, you don't have a toaster? I couldn't live. I, we don't have a toaster. Um, somebody said Pop-Tarts toast with butter. So that's another thing, right? I mean, I was always a fan growing up of the ones that were, were frosted. Cinnamon, the cinnamon and brown sugar were my favorite. Yeah, I think the you compromise, saw though, those. My, my mom would... would a lot of times buy the Pop-Tarts that had no frosting on them. Like ju- like all you had was the stuff in the middle. And those you got to put some butter or something on on the top. Mm-hmm. But, man, I somebody said an air fryer works good for toasting bread. Yeah, I'm not against toasted Pop-Tarts, but I bet I have not eaten a Pop-Tart that was toasted or warmed Unless it happened to be sitting on the dashboard in my truck, like in the package, 
in 25 years? Somebody says, here we go. Here they come. Tim says frosted blueberry. We get another one. Honey buns warmed with butter. Honey buns with butter? Who needs arteries, man? Uh, I couldn't survive without a toaster. Me either. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon, what started this conversation? This sounds like a hey dad thing. The Pop-Tarts Bowl's going on, Dwayne. That's what started it. As you said during the break, the marketing for Pop-Tarts is killing it right now. I feel like I feel like Pop Tarts has gotten its money's worth out of its bowl sponsorship. They have fully embraced with the whole edible mascot and the massive toaster on the field and the big Pop Tarts logos. And frankly, everybody loves everybody loves Pop Tarts. Somebody says microwave them. They're warm and soft. As Brandon says that as well. Brandon says just be like me. Stick them in the microwave for twenty seconds. Okay. We used to do that with hot dogs in college. We just put them in the microwave. We were that lazy. Patrick says, you don't have 12 bucks for a toaster. I heard you had plenty of money. <laughs> I mean, I, it's it's not so much, Patrick, Thanks, that I, I couldn't afford a toaster. It's We just don't have one. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. text line and my personal text line as well buddy of mine sent me a message some people i know put butter on their pop tarts yeah that that happens he says grape is the best she can't find them except on amazon never had it it's like grape he's like yeah we had it served cold growing up the grape disappeared from wide circulation a few years ago i thought wildberry was the same thing with just a different name but then i found some grape on amazon Okay. I'm calling uh, BS on the edible mascot, by the way. That thing does not look like you can eat it. I'm going to have to see it. And if they pull a fast one where this mascot that's walking around, because there's a picture, a still shot of it, and this guy's got like his arms through it, and he's he's, like got them kind of together. And you can see the folds like in the fabric. Is it edible fabric too? What they're they're gonna pull a fast one on us. They're gonna take the mascot into the tunnel and then put on the edible version that can't really move or anything for the post game eating of the mascot. I'm on to them. That you can't eat what he's wearing right now. There's no way. Jeff says, RC, have you tried the sugar cookie flavored Pop Tarts? No, I mean Truth of the matter is, I don't really branch out on my Pop-Tart flavors. 
Like, I mean, it's it's cinnamon brown sugar is my go-to, and then I'll, you know, go for the uh, the strawberry or the blueberry. I will say, in a pinch one time, Borky, I tried the s'mores Pop-Tarts. Oh, those are the best. Pretty darn good. Oh, man. Pretty darn good. Pop-Tarts are good with ice cream. I was telling you that during the break. Ooh, toast a cinnamon Pop-Tart and put it in the bowl and put the ice cream on top, let it kind of melt over top of it. Yes, sir. So we, uh, we've got the Alamo Bowl tonight. We can talk about that more in a minute. How about the Slate of Games tomorrow? Tax Slayer Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Clemson and Kentucky. Something there. Clemson favored by four. What is an Ray interesting Davis playing year. in that game for Kentucky? I don't know. I haven't seen one way or the other, so I would assume so. But well, what an interesting season upcoming for Clemson. I mean, so? you're, you're talking about major college football brand, right? One of only a handful of teams that have won a championship in the playoff era. Coming off of either 9-4 and four or 8-5, and five, with all this unrest and turmoil in the ACC anyway, you put out another mediocre season for your standards, and people are going to start wondering if you were just a flash in the pan. If if Dabo's going to be able to sustain, well, I'd be a decade long flash in the but, pan. That that that's not exactly a one hit wonder when it includes two national championships. But you know, people are doing the dynasty is dead thing with Saban. Well, he's just winning and winning and winning and winning. He hasn't rolled out an eight and four since year one. So if this is if they do this again, people are going to wonder, rightfully so, if if. It's over for Dabo, and you can't move on from him, but hasn't adapted to this era at all, still isn't, and buddy, you better win. Clemson trying to win five in a row. They closed the regular season out with wins over Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and South Carolina. That was after a, what, three and three, four and three start to the year, four and four start to the year. Yeah, they were four and four. Yeah. They were two and two, and then they were four and two, and then they were four and four. Their losses were to Duke, Florida State, Duke by three touchdowns in the season opener, Florida State by a touchdown in week four, Miami by eight, NC State by a touchdown. So three of their four losses were one score games. And then they just got popped in the mouth in the season opener by Duke. You remember yeah. how fast Duke looked on opening night? Yeah, they did. Man. Um, I kind of think Clemson rolls tomorrow. I really do. We'll see. I don't know. I, I don't know why I don't believe in Kentucky, but I, I don't. Have they given you reason to? Not really. Really haven't. I mean, this Kentucky team, they started the year 5-0. and And those five wins were Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt, Florida. And then they lost three straight to Georgia, Missouri, and Tennessee. They beat Mississippi State, lost to Alabama and South Carolina, beat Louisville. That was a big, big win for Mark Stoops against Louisville to close out the year. Yeah, it was. Needed that one. Because 7-5 and five feels a lot different than 6-6. Six and six. What a weird day that was, too. So the reporting was out there that he was, during the game, that he was, he was gone until 
things got weird over there, which, mm-hmm. as, as you've pointed out before, they are playing in the losing in the Texas Bowl. And the, every AM fan had their arms around each other singing about Texas, who's getting ready for their playoff game. Mm-hmm. Just not a good look. Yeah, the uh, the decade-long head start into the SEC for Texas A&M, I'm not sure that they fully took advantage of that the way they had hoped. So you start off tomorrow at 11 with Clemson and Kentucky at 1 o'clock on CBS. You've got the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, Oregon State, and Notre Dame. That's another opt-out bowl. I mean, no ne- Sam Neither starting quarterbacks playing, right? No DJ. I mean, Oregon State lost their coach. At just, you know. It'll be football, so watch it, but that's all it'll be. Liberty Bowl, Memphis, and Iowa State. Memphis 9-3 and playing in their home stadium. Iowa State 7-5. and Last time Iowa State was in Memphis, the crew from Ames traveled big time. Yeah, they did. Big crowd from Iowa State. I'll be interested to see what Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium looks like tomorrow for that. It's going to be hard for them to, excuse me, hard for them to match the excitement of that game a year. It was Arkansas and who? Who did Arkansas play in Liberty Bowl last year? Kansas. Arkansas and Kansas. And the people that were not in Houston and didn't readily have an app ready to go missed like the entire first quarter. And maybe even into the second quarter of the uh, of the Ole Miss Texas Tech game, and then you got Missouri and Ohio State tomorrow night. I so want to watch that. I don't know how much of it I'm going to be able to watch because we'll be doing the family thing or you know activities tomorrow night. But I sure hope we get to a spot where I can watch a bunch of that game. Well, so it'll be eight o'clock Eastern. So you can get the second half if yeah, you can get somewhere by 10. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. I'm excited for that one. Really, truly excited for that good. one. A little surprised that the uh, get-in-the-door ticket price is not higher than it is for that one. You can get in for 53 bucks, And supposedly, like, last person on the way out the door in Missouri turn out the lights... They are expecting a huge Missouri crowd. Oh, I believe that. Ohio State still favored by three and a half. I, I think the wrong team's favored. I think so too. Ohio State's so talented, though. They are. They really, really are. No Kyle McCord, though. Although, I mean, they essentially told him to go. That's the other side of this portal thing. People think that players are just up and leaving schools. Schools are telling players to leave, too, man. It's not, it isn't just, Kyle McCord didn't up and leave Ohio State for greener pastures. Ohio State told him they were looking for somebody. They were looking for the greener pastures. And if you want to start, it's not going to be here. Does the NFL have a game on Saturday night this weekend? They do. They do. They've got Lions at Cowboys at 7.15. Because I was trying to figure out the bowl schedule for Saturday. Because you have three games, four games on Saturday, but one of them, boy, good luck. 
drawing eyeballs for the um, the Barstool Bowl. No, no knock intended. You, you've got Ole Miss, Penn State at eleven. You've got Auburn, Maryland at one. Georgia, Florida State at three. And at three thirty, Toledo and Wyoming on the CW. Yeah. In Tucson. Lions Cowboys on Saturday night is going to be insane because the Lions are playing for the one seed, and the Cowboys obviously still playing for playoff seeding as well. But the, the Detroit Lions are playing to be the number one overall seed. Mm. It's huge. It, it'll be huge. It, it certainly will be. Hey, by the way, I did get it confirmed, Borky. We are not working on Monday. Aw. What do you mean, aw? Like, I love talking while games are going on, but it's really hard to watch them, and it's kind of a good True. day for football on Monday. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back with you to wrap it up right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Aha! Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Yesterday, the Pro Football Hall of Fame revealed its modern-era finalists for the class of 2024. And, brother, you have got some dudes. I mean dudes. Eric Allen, Philadelphia Saints, Raiders, 1988 to 2001. Jared Allen. Defensive end, Kansas City, Minnesota, Chicago, finished it up in Carolina, 2004 to 2015. As I went down this list, I thought, that guy's a Hall of Famer, that guy's a Hall of Famer, that guy's a Hall of Famer, but it doesn't work like that. I mean, guys are going to get left off of this ballot, and yep. I mean, Jared Allen's a Hall of Famer. Willie Anderson, offensive tackle, Cincinnati and Baltimore, 96-08. to yeah, that dude's An in. offensive lineman that played 22 years in the league. He's in, for sure. Jari Evans, offensive lineman. Saints, Packers, 06-17. Dwight Freeney, 02-17. Indianapolis, San Diego, Arizona, Atlanta, Detroit, and finished it up in Seattle. Antonio Gates. For sure. I mean, but that's what I'm saying with all these guys. All these guys, I'm like, yep, Hall of Famer. But whole for career sure. for Antonio Gates with the Chargers. Rodney Harrison, 94 to 08, Chargers in uh, New England. Devin Hester, Bears, Falcons, Ravens, Seahawks. Every time there was a, a, a ball kicked in the air in a game that Devin Hester was in, you had to watch it every single time. Tory Holt, he's a stud with the Rams, big part of the greatest show on turf. 99-08 with St. Louis, played his last year in 09 with Jacksonville. 
Andre Johnson, wide receiver with the Texans from 03 to 14. Spent a year with the Colts and a year with the Titans to wrap it up. Defensive end Julius Peppers. Carolina, Chicago, Green Bay played from 2002 to 2016. Running back Fred Taylor, 98-08 to in Jacksonville. Spent a couple of years in New England. Wide receiver Reggie Wayne, 01 to 14 with Indy. Safety Darren Woodson. Good grief. 92 to 03, all with Dallas. And Patrick Willis. Third year on the ballot. 2007 to 2014. San Francisco 49ers. There's going to be some debate with him because of the length of his career. And we've but, already had we've had that for the last couple of years. It, Borky, I don't know what the answer is. I just know that when we have talked to players that played against him in the NFL. We've had multiple guys on the show that have done that. And you mention his name. They say he's a Hall of Famer. Now, former players are not the committee. They're not the voters. But, I don't know, man. You remember when I asked K.J. Wright about Patrick Willis? Yeah. He's like, first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he wasn't first ballot. This is a guy that I mean, they played on the same side of the ball on different teams. He didn't play against him, per se, but he didn't even hesitate when he said that. I mean, he was at the top of his position for eight years. Eight years, seven Pro Bowls, five first-team All-Pro. Is that he's a Hall of Fame linebacker? I don't know if he's getting in this year. He'll eventually get in. I just hope it's in this modern era stuff and not like has to go to the Veterans Committee or something like that one day. Yeah, and a really, really good human being, also. Yeah, it's funny to to like watch interviews and stuff and hear people talk about him because they talk about how incredibly like approachable and and humble and nice he is and then you hear people talk about him the football player and it's like he was possessed by some kind of tackling demon. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to describe it. Hey, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, uh time is running out in 2023 and there're great deals to be had whether it's an F150 or an Expedition or an Explorer Maybe a Mustang. Belk Ford's got you covered. They're on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Find them online at belkford.net. Also, oxfordtoyota.com. Great selection on both lots. Plenty of used cars. Service department that is second to none. And they will treat you the way you want to be treated when you're looking for a car. No pushy sales tactics. They're not trying to just shove you into a vehicle and get you out the door. They'll help you find the vehicle that you're looking for that fits your budget with the best financing options available Belk Ford, tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi, located on Highway 6 West in Oxford. It'll be the Michael Borky Show tomorrow here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Woo. Enjoy it, my friend. I will try. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. For Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Stay warm tonight. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production. 